Hey church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the connections and group pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus. Be challenged and encouraged by his word and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. Well, good morning, Frontline. It's just good to see you. It's good to have you if you're in the room or if you're watching online. Uh, Isn't it true that uh, revenge doesn't always work out the way we hope it will? Any of you have a, a story that relates to that? Uh, When I was growing up, I had a friend named John. We were in elementary school together. We lived in Chicago area. And uh, John sometimes like would have other kids take his lunch. So his mom was fed up with it. She was frustrated by it. It wasn't like the whole lunch, but it'd be like a cookie or a brownie or something like that. So his mom decides she's gonna take revenge on these bullies that are robbing her son's lunch. So she bakes this entire batch of brownies, right? All of us maybe have done that before, right? We like a good brownie. Uh, but she added one ingredient that made these not good brownies. Uh, in fact, she, they, they were horrible brownies. She added Tabasco sauce. And not just a little bit. I mean, she put that bottle into the entire batter, right? She baked it in. And so she put it together. She cut it up in slices just like she normally would. She put it into Tupperware. She sent it to school with John. She's like, I'm going to get back at these mean bullies that are taking my son's food. Well, lunchtime rolled around. John's excited. He can't wait. We don't know what's going on. We have no idea. But that happened to be the day that John offered me, his friend, a homemade brownie. So I take it and I'm looking at it going, this thing does not look normal, right? It, I don't know what a healthy brownie looks like, but it was not a healthy brownie. It was kind of sticky and mushy and had this unique odor to it. I gave it away to somebody else. I was like, I don't know, this, this seems weird. You eat it. I licked my fingers and when my mouth was on fire, I'm like, John's not a good friend. John's not a good friend. His mom was so mad, right? She saw the revenge playing out differently. That is so true for all of us. Man, we have this knack, right, for things that have wronged us or people that have wronged us, situations or stories where we have been wronged. Oftentimes what we see or what we want to see is those wrongs being righted, right? Call it a different way. It's payback or it's revenge. It's an eye for an eye. It's a tooth for a tooth, right? Like when it comes back around, we want to see the wrongs in our lives actually be righted, but sometimes it actually doesn't work out the way we hope or anticipate. I'm going to ask you to make a decision today. Whether you've been here at Frontline for a long time, whether today's your first day, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, or maybe, maybe you're not yet a follower of Jesus, whether you're in the room, whether you're watching online, you have to make a decision today. And the decision is what ending is possible in your life. For whatever wrong that you came in with or whatever regret story you came in with or whatever baggage you came in with today, I just wanna ask you, is your option or is the way that you have written the end of the story, is that the only possibility? Or is there possibly something different, a different ending that could actually play itself out? The church has celebrated baptism for thousands of years. It's a representation of a new story or a new life or a new ending that wasn't possible before. It's kind of weird, right? If you're brand new, if you're looking, you're like, what what, what is this thing? What is baptism? Baptism, this tank is full of water. 
What we're going to do later on in this service is people who make a decision for Jesus, who say, I've made him Lord of my life. They will come up. They will sit in here. And it's a representation outwardly what God is doing inside of them. And we as the church will celebrate because it's as they go down into the water, it's death to the old life, death to the ending that we came in thinking was, is what it was going to be, death to sin and brokenness. It's death. And then when they come out, it's a new life. It's a representation of a new life, of a life following Jesus in which a different story becomes possible. I'm going to ask you to make a decision later on in the service. And the question I'm going to ask you is, do you believe that's possible for you? We've been in a series. It's called Redeem the Dream. We've been tracking through the life of this man named Joseph. But when the story started, he wasn't a man. He was a boy. He was 17 years old. He was this young boy. He was the favorite child of his father. He had 10 other brothers. They hated him. Couldn't stand him. Part of it was because he, he just carried himself kind of with, with this arrogance. He, he said, oh, God gave me these dreams, and the dreams that I had was all of you are going to bow down to me. He was already the favorite of their dad, but the idea of bowing down, right, in reverence, like we're older than you, dude. The idea of bowing down to their little brother upset them, infuriated them, frustrated. It happened over and over and over. He kept sharing these dreams with his brothers until finally one day his brothers took revenge. They said, we're gonna write this wrong. We're gonna get rid of this kid. We're done with this story. We're gonna take the pen into our own hands. They throw him into this pit. He's out there in the field. He's away from the protection of mom and dad. They throw him in this pit and they try to figure out what are we gonna do? How are we gonna get rid of him? Because we're done. We're done with this. We're done with this story. We're done with him. How are we gonna get rid of him? And just then there was this caravan that was coming in and it was a caravan of slave traders. They were on their way to Egypt. And so one of them gets the idea and he says, I got an idea. Let's just sell him. We'll fake his death. We'll, we'll come up with this story. We'll, we'll tell our father this lie. We'll take his coat that dad knows and everybody knows this is only his coat, right? It's special. It's full of colors and it's different. We're gonna take it. We're gonna kill an animal. We're gonna sprinkle blood all over it so it looks like he got devoured by an animal and we're gonna sell him and get rid of it. We're gonna take revenge and we'll be fine. That's exactly what they did. Sold him into slavery. He gets shipped off to Egypt. He will spend the next 20 years before he ever sees his brothers again. And in those 20 years, he's a slave. He's wrongfully accused. He's imprisoned for things he didn't do or didn't deserve. He gets forgotten about it. So as we talked about last week, there were two men in the jail with him that had dreams. And Joseph interprets both dreams for them. And his one ask his one request was, please don't forget me when your dream comes to fruition. And they forgot. So the, the, the dreams that he interpreted were two high-ranking officials of Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the world probably at the time. Years go by, they had forgotten Joseph, but one day Joseph had a dream or not even Joseph, uh, Pharaoh had a dream that he needed to be interpreted. And, and the high-ranking official with Pharaoh said, I remember a guy that can interpret dreams. He did it for me. In fact, he asked me, don't, don't forget me, but I forgot about him. I, Pharaoh, I bet this guy could interpret your dream because no one else in all of Egypt could interpret it. So they bring Joseph before Pharaoh. Joseph interprets the dream. He says, here's what it means. There's gonna be seven years of plenty of harvest. There's gonna be a seven-year abundance and then we're gonna move into a, a period of seven years of famine. 
where people will be starving. That's what God said. That's what God is revealing to you through your dream, Pharaoh. And what does Pharaoh do or how does Pharaoh respond? Pharaoh says, you're in charge. Pharaoh puts Joseph in the second highest position over all Egypt. This is a true story. Second highest position over all Egypt. Imagine being Joseph, having all of the authority, all of the power, all of the influence, and he's carrying with him all of the baggage of a lifetime of being wronged. What would you do in the position of power if you had the ability to right the wrongs that were done in your life like Joseph had the ability to do so. Check out how this story goes. It's Genesis 42, starting verse six. Now, Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all of its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes, right? You recognize your brothers. Here they are, and they are bowing down to you, but they don't see you. They don't recognize you. They don't know who you really are. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger. And he spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. I mean, you can see Joseph, right, Start, starting to wrestle here. Like, I, I've dreamt of this day. I've thought about this day. I've prepared for this day. I've waited for this day that I could get right. That could make this right. I could get even. I could stick it to him. The way that I've been wrong, nobody came looking for me. Nobody wanted me. Everybody forgot about me, and they lived their life, and I have suffered by myself. Imagine Joseph in this position. What would you do? He keeps going. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them. Whew. I mean, you can feel the tension in the story, can't you? 20 years later, Joseph was sharing these dreams 20 years earlier, going, hey, someday you're, you're going to bow down to me. I had the dream. It was from God. I know it's from God. It was someday you're, you're going to do this. And they so rejected him and the dream and the calling that God had even put on his life. They so rejected it that they got rid of him. And now fast forward all these years later, and the tables have turned. What do you find yourself rooting for in this story? I mean, what do you want to see happen? When I read this story, I mean, I started reading it a couple weeks ago just to get ready for it. I find myself on Team Joseph. Anybody else? Like, like you just want to see him win. But, like, but not like a little win, not just like, okay, you guys are mean. We're sorry, and then they all leave, right? Like, that's not what you're cheering for. It's like what you're cheering for is vindication, for justice, for some sort of explosive righting of the wrongs. Right, like, like maybe you're cheering for Joseph, and you're like, Joseph, just nail it to him, right? Throw him in prison, flog him, beat him, interrogate him, waterboard him. I don't know. Like, what, what would you do in this? They've sold his life for nothing, equivalent to like a, a piece of cattle, like a cow. They've equated him. They, so worthless. They've so pushed him aside, and they, and they never come looking for him. Like, what, what are you cheering for in this story? As I'm reading this story, and even for the last weeks, you just go, man, like, I, I can relate to part of that. 
I mean, can't you, like all of us walk in with something that, that somebody's wronged us, there's some sort of unequality in the scale, somebody cheated on us or somebody fired us or somebody left us or abandoned us or wounded us, all of us have this thing. Just put yourself in Joseph's shoes. When the tables turn, what do you want to see happen? But maybe you're one of the few people in the room that's actually cheering for a different ending. Maybe, maybe you're one of the few people that actually thinks a different ending is possible. See, Joseph in this whole series is not meant for us to relate to. It's so tempting though, isn't it? It's so tempting for us to go, I can relate to Joseph, I can understand Joseph, I, I have a story like Joseph or similar to Joseph, I have pain, I have brokenness, I have woundedness, I have wrongs that have been done to me in my life and I wanna see those fixed. So many of us, we can relate to Joseph, but that's not the role that Joseph actually plays in this story. The role of Joseph is actually meant to point us to the person of Jesus. So if you wanna find yourself in the story, you're not Joseph, you're actually Joseph's brothers. We're all Joseph's brothers. We all come in today, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you're uh, realizing it or not, we have all wronged someone. We've all done something, wronged someone, taken something, rejected someone, inflicted damage on someone, wounded someone. We all actually have a wake of destruction behind us. And I actually think we're a lot like the brothers because oftentimes what we do or how we think or how we process is in the way back of our minds, we're aware of what we did, but we're always waiting for the day that it's gonna catch up. Can you relate to that at all? The sin that you had that nobody knows about, right, in, in your past decades earlier, the addiction that has played itself out in your life, but at this point, you've kept it under wraps. Maybe you left a spouse. Nobody really knows you from your former life. Maybe, maybe you abused your body in a certain way, and you're wondering, is there a day that it's gonna come back and it's gonna catch up with me? So many of us, if we look back, there's a moment or there's a spot or, or there's a chapter or there's a season that actually leads us to feel shame, and guilt, and despair, and fear that one day it's gonna catch up. Right, you might call it karma, right? What goes around comes around. You, you might call it eye for an eye. At some point, you might be afraid. The day of reckoning is going to come, and it leads you to a place of despair. That's exactly what these brothers were living it is exactly what they were living. I mean, look at what they do in the text here. Here's what it says. Joseph said to them, you're spies. You've come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my Lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. Honest? Honest? They've lied for 20 years. They've maintained the lie. Somehow, among all 10 of them, they've maintained the lie. They, they pretended that their brother was gone. They pretended that they were good. You can feel it welling up inside of them. Like we're, they're trying to project, I'm honest, but deep down, they know they're not honest. Here's what plays out beyond that here. No, he said to them, you've come to see where our land is unprotected. They replied, your servants were 12 brothers, the sons of one man who lived in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father, and one is no more. They don't even name him. 
They're talking about him to him, totally unbeknownst. Joseph said to them, it's just as I told you, you are spies, and the unraveling in the brothers begins. It's like maybe today's the day. Today's the day that it catches up. Today's the day we're found out. Today's the day we get nailed. Today's the day that our life will never be the same because our wrong in our past finally caught up. Do you have that? What, what part of your story is that? What part of your story are you afraid of will catch up to you one day? What part of your story are you just petrified that someone might find out? What part of your story are you just dreading where you might actually have to go back to the table or back to that home or back to that person and look the person in the eyes that wronged you? These brothers dreaded the moment that they were living in. And here's what they say. It starts unraveling. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. They start fighting with each other. Today's the day. I knew it. I knew it. This is it. This is the moment we're being accused of, of being spies, which is basically like being accused of treason. It's like we, we might be in prison for the rest of our lives. Worse yet, if we're convicted of being spies, we might just be put to death. We left our families at home. We left our jobs at home. We left our kids at home, our spouses at home. We, we left our livelihood, our parents at home. Everything is catching up and the damage is gonna be so great. They're freaked out. Today's the day that they get nailed. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. Uh, part of the text here, like the, the Hebrew text that it was actually written in, says we saw the distress and the anguish of his soul. And we ignored him. We didn't care. We were taking revenge. We were initiating payback. We were writing our own story and you can see the regret that was planted. There's no going back. There's no undoing that. There's no fixing that. You can't get back 20 years. And they're fighting and they're blaming and they say, this, that's why this distress has come on us. Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen now we must give an accounting for his blood. What's Joseph going through in this moment? What's he feeling? They did not realize that Joseph could understand every single word they were saying. He's using an interpreter, but he understands every word. And it rips him up inside so much so, it says he turned away from them and he began to weep, but then he came back and spoke to them. Again, Joseph removes himself from the situation, removes himself back into a private room where he weeps and he sobs uncontrollably. Why? I think because he loved his brothers. Because he, he dreamt of this day for 20 years. He has the ability to take revenge. He has the ability to punish them. But he knows if he does, it's the nail in the coffin. It's over then. It tears him up. It rips him to shreds inside. What is he going to do? But for us, right, I mean, this is our story. This is all of our stories. 
uh, when I was in high school, we moved uh, from Chicago to Michigan. I remember it was a really difficult, challenging move for our entire family. If you've ever had a season like this too as a family, like you know how when everybody struggles, it's kind of like everybody for themselves? Like you just got to figure it out. What I did in that season, uh, I have three younger siblings. I've seen like videos of myself, like at family gatherings or parties. You ever, you ever like see a video of yourself and you're ashamed of how you treated the people around you? Or you're ashamed of like the words you said or the words you used or the demeanor? As I remember that season, I was so hard on my younger siblings. So hard. I have this picture of a scar that's on my hand. And I remember it from this season. I remember I was, I was being so awful to my brother one day that I was literally holding his hands. And I, like the eyes, when it talks about the eyes, like the distress that Joseph had, I remember seeing that in my brother. And he took his nails and he put his hands on the outside of mine and he clawed my skin so deep that it left a scar for the rest of my life. My grandpa was visiting uh, just over the weekend. And I remember he pulled me aside in this season and he said, David, I wanna tell you something. My grandpa's like my hero. He pulled me aside and he said, if you treat them like this, they will hate you for the rest of their life. That bugged me. I mean, that hit me so deeply because actually I loved them, but it was not how I was treating them. And I started hearing like, David, you might be doing damage right now that will catch up to you and it will punish you for the rest of your life because they will hate you for it. It was like this fear, like maybe, maybe one day this is actually going to catch up. What is it for you? I mean, maybe it's an abortion. Maybe you had an abortion, you kept it a secret, you didn't tell anybody, you've lived this, this lie or, or you've projected yourself. Maybe you haven't even told your spouse that you, you had had that or done that and your deepest fear is that they might find out or somebody in your life might find out. Maybe you have a closeted addiction that's just been a secret and and you're scared to death that somebody else around you might find out. Maybe you wronged somebody in your past or you violated somebody. Maybe you moved too fast in a certain scenario and it played itself out that it wreaked havoc on your life, but you've, you've so far been able to outpace it and you're wondering, is it actually gonna catch up? Maybe you abused your body when you were younger. And you're wondering, man, the abuse and what I did to it, is there a day that I'm going to get a diagnosis that it's finally going to catch up? So often as we look back at our lives, we look back at the brokenness and the valleys and the pain often comes with it is despair because we are terrified of when those decisions will finally catch up. Maybe it's your kids. A failure to be there or to be present, something you said, something you didn't say. What is it for you? What is it that you're terrified someday might actually catch up? Here's the whole purpose of this story that we're in today is that God actually offers a different ending for us. Doesn't matter if you've been in church your entire life for 10 minutes. Doesn't matter if you go here to Frontline or if you go to another church or if you don't go anywhere at all. Doesn't matter what you believe or don't believe. That There's actually a possibility that's on the table that God could rewrite the ending of your story and change your life forever, but it's only through the person of Jesus. See, if we're the brothers, then Jesus is the representation of Joseph. Like Joseph exists to point us to him. Jesus was so overwhelmed with love for us 
He calls us his brothers and sisters, right? Joseph has to remove himself from the presence of his brothers who rejected him, who hurt him, who violated him, who sold him, who abandoned him. Jesus did the exact same thing for us when he went to the cross. He was beaten and flogged. He was mocked and spat on. He was ridiculed in front of all of us. We did it. We did it. And so here's Jesus, right? He gets hauled up on this cross as a public spectacle, a public mockery to everybody that saw. This guy says he's the son of God. Yeah, right. And Jesus looked out over the people that were there, the people that put him on the cross. He was so moved by love for them that he considered the sacrifice was worth it to rewrite our stories. That's why he went to the cross. See, what we often forget is revenge leads to regret. Revenge leads to regret, but forgiveness leads to freedom. That's why Jesus wasn't content leaving us in a state of regret, a perpetual cycle of brokenness and pain and sin and wrongdoing and eye for an eye for an eye for an eye for an eye. Jesus wanted to break the chains of the cycle that we were living in. So he goes to the cross and he demonstrates, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back to life because I'm going to demonstrate to everybody that I have the power over life and death. I can redeem anything, even that which is dead, I can bring back to life. That's what he did three days later. He defeated death so that you and I could experience freedom in a way that wasn't possible without him. That's why we're celebrating baptism today. That's why we're celebrating. Romans 3, 23, it says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, every single one of us. Don't come in here thinking, oh, I've done too much, right? I've sinned too much, right? David, you don't know part of my story. And so if you did, you wouldn't say for all of us. No, every single one of us has sinned and fallen short of God's glory, of the requirement that we should have hit. See, God's the one with the ledger of what we've done against him. He's the one holding it. And he says, every one of you have sinned. Every one of you has fallen short. I don't care if you're an elder in the church or a pastor or, or you serve on a regular basis. You're a small group leader. You're a drug dealer. Or you're a prostitute. You had an abortion. I don't care what it is. You're all the same. That's what Jesus says. Welcome to equality in this room. In the kingdom of God, every one of us has fallen short of the glory of God, but all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, that's good news for somebody today. Amen. I hope it's good news for you. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Because he wants a different ending for you, for your life, for your story. It's possible. You just have to decide if you think it's possible for you. It's not going to be anything you do. You're not going to fix anything. You don't have to clean yourself up. It's like cleaning yourself up before you take a shower. You wouldn't do that. That's what this tank exists for. It's a representation that as we step in right where we are, through the brokenness, through the mire, through the pain, through the regret, through, through all of the baggage that we walk around carrying, Jesus invites us to come up to step into this tank as a representation that Jesus is rewriting our story. He's inviting us to experience a new life in him. Do you believe it's possible for you? I do. We're going to celebrate baptism as the church has done for thousands of years. Jesus invited his followers to do this. 
He commanded them. He, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. This is a representation of a new story that is possible for you in your life. I just want to ask you, is today the day that you need to stand up and step up and say, I'm done trying to fix it. I'm done trying to outrun. I'm done trying to, to avoid the outcome of my past. I'm ready to just accept the grace and the freedom that only comes through Jesus. Is today your day? I hope it is. On December 23rd, just a few weeks ago, I got to baptize one of my favorite partners in ministry I've ever had. She about kicked my door down two years ago. She said, we need a ministry here for single moms and moms especially that have had an abortion. I said, okay, I mean, you convince me. I don't need a lot of convincing beyond that. She goes, we need a ministry here. She started a ministry here. It's called Cradles of Grace. And it ministers to moms who have had an abortion, contemplated an abortion, or uh, ended up keeping the baby, but then, you know, they're living a life of just singleness at this point, raising these kids, and you know, hopeful for a better future. What Cradles of Grace does is it leads them through a study, through a Bible study that points them to the person of Jesus. Do you guys know that, that in less than two years, we're the largest group of Cradles of Grace here in Grand Rapids? We have 25 moms that are meeting here on a regular basis every single week that are finding hope in the person of Jesus. So on, on December 23rd, she asked me if I would baptize her. And here's what she says. She goes, I was that mom. I grew up in the church. I had an abortion. I kept it a secret. I was terrified that I would ever get found out. I thought it would disqualify me from the future, from a future ministry role, from a future impact role, just that I would ever even have a full relationship with Jesus. I thought it disqualified me. I thought I was too dirty for Jesus. You know what she's doing this morning? So incredible. What she's doing this morning is she's sitting in the front row of another church. She lives in a different part of the country now. She's sitting in the front row celebrating the baptism of a 15-year-old girl who has an 11-month-old child who thought she was too dirty for Jesus. But she talked to Dawn and heard her story and has led her to Jesus to respond like this in baptism. Is that awesome or what? not too dirty for Jesus. That's why the water is here. This represents death to life. A new story, a new ending, a new beginning. I just want to ask you, is today the day that, that the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart that you need to respond? You got to get to the point where you're okay with, I don't care what people think about I'm just going to be obedient. I want the new story. I don't want to live looking over my shoulder. Jesus, I want the promise and the freedom and the hope that only comes through you. So when we celebrate baptisms, if you don't step up or if you don't come up today and take that decision, here's your role. You're going to go nuts for every person that does. Because when we see people take a step for Jesus, we're also reminded of what Jesus did for us on the cross personally. 
So we're gonna cheer, we're gonna clap, we're gonna go nuts for these significant decisions that people are making because it brings us back to what Jesus did for us on the cross. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but it's through Jesus that we actually have hope for a better future, for a new story, for a new ending, for forgiveness for ourselves. So here's what I wanna ask you to do. I want you to stand up. We're gonna sing this next song. If, if right now, if today's your day, if today is your moment, I'm gonna ask you to move over to this side of our stage. There's gonna be a team there. They're ready to get some information from you. The only thing we're asking for is contact info so we can follow up with you this week. But I just wanna encourage you. Today's the day, be bold. Make a decision, take a stand. Put the pen in the hands of Jesus and allow him to write a different ending to your story. Let me pray for us. God, uh, we just pray right now that you would do something powerful and mighty in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would break chains right now in this space. That whatever despair we walked in with, whatever regret we walked in with, whatever uh, thing that we're, man, that we're terrified is gonna catch up with us, with us someday. Maybe, maybe we're afraid of coming before you. I pray right now, God, that you would just minister to us through your grace just that the, the presence of the Holy Spirit would be palpable, that we could feel you, that we could sense you, that we could understand that that gift of grace was for us specifically. And so we just pray, Lord, that you'd be glorified in what we celebrate as we were obedient to you. To baptize those that have given their lives to you. Do a work like only you can. We love you for you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious and powerful and mighty and holy name. And everyone said together, amen. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.